Welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast with Robert Curtis, CFP, accredited investment fiduciary from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. In this podcast, we help successful wealth accumulators like you looking to transition to a work optional lifestyle by helping you build strategies for growing and maintaining your wealth. Robert draws from years of experience and fiduciary responsibility and interviews guest experts to help you build reliable strategies to grow and maintain your wealth. Now, on to the show. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast. I have an incredibly special guest, I I feel, with us today. This is our 30th episode, so I, I think this will be really one of the terrific episodes she was introduced uh, to us by someone who works for us, by Julia Fallon, who we heard on episode 28 discussing our GPS uh, SCI wealth, wealth management process. Uh, but this is Pat Miles Zimmerman. So anyone from the Minneapolis area, and we do have listeners in that greater area, would know Pat. She uh, became one of Minneapolis's region's premier television news anchors and radio show hosts. After earning her master's degree in journalism at the University of Missouri, Pat worked in both radio, television, news in Colorado before joining WCCO-TV in 1978 as a reporter and weekend anchor. And her intelligent reporting and authoritative delivery soon brought her to the anchor desk of WCCO's 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. newscasts she covered every major news event for WCCO-TV, but was most proud of A Time to Weep, her documentary on famine in Africa. And in 1990, she moved stations. She's, she's been on the air for years. She's recently written a book, which I found incredibly interesting. Uh, she, I don't want to take away her thunder, but this is an area we deal with extensively when someone loses a spouse, uh, are they prepared? Are they not prepared? She went through that experience. She's going to chronicle that. And this comes up so much in our practice. I, I believe I had about six people who lost their spouse last year. So we had to deal with that in, in living reality. So I pardon my long intro here, but we're super excited. Pat, thanks for joining the podcast. And it's great to have you here. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. People ask me all the time, Pat, why did you write this book? And which is called Before All is Said and Done. And coming up with the title was a whole nother story. But I wrote the book because I got so angry. I got so angry at what happened to me after my husband, who was an attorney, died. We thought we were prepared and we weren't. And I say in the book, we were set for life but we were not set for death. And when I started researching the book, which is a compilation of many, many stories of other people who lost a spouse and, and many, many experts about how do you navigate these waters before it's too late. So Bucky was a professional athlete in his youth. He, he actually played in the U.S. Open against Arthur Ashe the year Arthur won the tournament. He didn't drink. He ate very well. He went to the Mayo Clinic executive physical program every year. And one day out of the clear blue, we were actually on a cruise with my two girls. He um, 
said he didn't feel that well. And when we got home, went to the doctor and was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. He died in three months. And I would consider that a sudden death. And what I realized at, at the end of that illness is that we didn't talk about any of the things that we should have talked about because of course it was too late at this point. If you wait until someone is ill and sick and dying to start to deal with the issues you haven't resolved before, you've waited too late, you've waited too long, and you probably are not going to be able to navigate those waters. After Bucky died, no one knew what he knew. And if no one knows what you know, and you die, or you don't come home tonight, you leave the people behind with all of those questions unanswered and with no one to go to to get the answers. So I basically spent two years on the phone trying to get account numbers, trying to get passwords, trying to find out contacts, going through probate, fighting debt collectors, paying off lines of credit, dealing with insurance companies, trying to figure out what insurance companies to deal with. It was nightmarish. And I was doing all of this in the middle of what I call the grim fog of grief, where oh. your brain is half working and you are unable to process most of what you're dealing with. And you're dealing with really important things, as you know. You know, dying is a very big business. And people are in the business to make money. I'm sure you've seen this in your profession. And so if you're not functioning at 100%, which no one who is in the fog of grief is dealing or functioning at 100%, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to, like, you're going to make a lot of bad decisions. And you're going to end up with a lot of problems. So that, in effect, <laughs> is why I wrote the book. Because I didn't want anyone else to go through what I went through. So I talked to a lot of different people all over the country who had had situations that came up and how they dealt with it. And then I talked to a lot of professionals like you about how do you avoid this and what do you do before it's your turn to not come home. So that was the impetus for the book. And it's interesting, I think it's been really well received because I think uh, baby boomers, I'm a baby boomer, I think we have finally come to realize that we are probably going to die one day. And guess what? 100% of us are going to die. So why not prepare for it? As much as we prepare for a wedding or for the birth of a baby or for going to school. You know, I, I, I've given several talks about the book. And one of the things I say is if we, if we dealt with death or birth, the birth of a baby, the way some of us deal with death, There'd be no crib and no diapers. Yeah. I um, I hate to interject with a, a silly joke, but Charlie Munger said, um, I I don't care when I'm going to die. I just want to know where I'm going to die. So I'll, I'll never go visit there. But um, <laughs> I'm kidding aside. We're yeah. all, we're all going to be, be prepared. And Bucky, I don't want to cut you up, but that's amazing. He played against Arthur Ashe in the U.S. Open. So talk about someone you would never expect uh, to be in that position. You were, you know, I don't know, the poster the poster children for that. that. That's amazing. So it can happen to anyone. And before we get to, I mean, 
I implore everyone to listen to this because I guarantee there's people listening who are right in that position, the head of a household who hasn't shared it with his spouse. These things should not be held in your head where they go to die. They should be documented. Uh, they should be shared. Uh, this is this is essential. And I do I do see it come up and it's really most of the times we get it right, but sometimes people are introduced to us and it hasn't been done right. And boy, it's you just shake your head because it is a big business and people will profit very handsomely if you don't do the preparation ahead of time. And um, there's a plan for you. It's just do you want that to be a plan of your choosing? But let me go back to you because you have you have so much to share. Yeah. And this is and coming from someone who lived through it what you would tell those people, but please continue on this. This is just right up our alley and fascinating. Well, I, the bottom line is most people don't want to talk about death. I mean, I grew up in a, in a household where my father, who was a world war II veteran, he never wanted to talk about dying. He never wanted to entertain the, the thought yeah. that he was not going to come home one day. And so we didn't talk about it. And I think he was one of those people who thought if you talked about it, make it happen sooner. So it just never was discussed. And of course, when he died, I remember I found a letter on his desk. It was addressed to a long-term nursing care facility with a check for the first year. And my father had a stroke. He lived for two years in that facility, um, which his estate paid for. He didn't know where he was or who he was. I'm not sure that's what he would have wanted, but how would we right. have known? And so I think that's part of uh, the way we were raised and grew up. I mean, people don't want to deal with death and they certainly don't want to talk about it. And so one of the things I say to people who I do talk to is deal with this while times are good, while days are happy, while everyone's healthy. Have these conversations while while everything is is great because you don't want to have these conversations or it's too late to have these conversations if someone gets sick or if someone is dying or if someone is is not fully um, yeah. cognizant of what's going on. And there's a lot of that too with Alzheimer's, obviously. So deal with these things while, and I, I talk to a lot of young women too, deal with these things while you're young. You can always change your plans, but have a plan. I can't tell you how many young people I talked to during COVID who lost a spouse at a very young age, didn't have a will, didn't have a trust, didn't have a plan, didn't know account numbers. And one young woman I talked to whose husband was a doctor who died of COVID in the hospital. And that was at the point where you could not go mm. in and see your spouse. Yeah. Wouldn't allow Boy. you in the hospital. The nurse is holding an iPad up to him for them to say goodbye and she said, Pat, I couldn't ask him for his account numbers then. You know, I mean, that's not a time where you're thinking, what's the passcode to your cell phone, which is where all of that information was. She ended up in court spending thousands and thousands of dollars trying to get into his iPhone to get the information, all of which was kept on his iPhone. And she had none of it. So there, there is there is that element where if you don't deal with these things while you are in happy days, you're going to end up with really unhappy days after the death of a 
of a person you love, your spouse, your partner, whoever it might be, if you don't have that information. And, and that's so such a, don't. yeah, a huge point. Cause you, you know, just to go back or reemphasize it, you mentioned this, the grim fog of grieving, you should be allowed to grieve right. and you're not at a hundred percent far from it. In fact, how many of us are at a hundred percent most days of the week and in good times, you know, we're at some, some percentage, but if, if you're in a much better place, then you can think clearly you're not in this uh, fight or flight time of crisis. You can, you can address it then in a comprehensive, well thought out way, communicate it. That's the time to be doing it. Then you're not going to be worrying about it. If God forbid the iPad is up in front of you because you can't see your loved ones due to a global pandemic, kind of the worst of all, you know, the perfect storm, so to speak. So just, yeah, I'm just agreeing with you 100%. Please, please carry on. Yeah. Robert, a lot of people who have had an interest in my book are people like you, financial planners, bankers, trust managers. And it's interesting because one of them said to me the other day, you know, Pat, every Every year, we force our clients to sit down and to have these conversations. And I said, well, that's your problem. You cannot force people to have these conversations. I was in these meetings with Bucky at the estate attorney's office. I was in these meetings at the bankers, yearly financial uh, get-together, and I paid no attention, and I had no interest, and I couldn't wait to get out of the room so I could do what I felt like was important that day. And boy, do I wish yeah. I had a do-over on all of that. So you can't force this on people. And there are yeah. spouses who have a spouse who doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to deal with it. Not going to happen to us, right? I was one of those people, trust me. I was definitely one of those people. But I will say this, a lot of the people who have come to me now in your profession they are telling me, Pat, people are bringing your book to us and saying, we need to talk. Mm -hmm. about this. So I think the reason this book has resonated is because it's stories of people. And when you read a story, it is so much more impactful on you than having somebody in a business suit across from a table saying, we need to talk about this and we need to put this down on paper. I, that's a turnoff. I mean, I'm sorry to say, but it's a turnoff. Yeah. So if you can have your clients coming to you and saying, I, I, I have realized right. we need to prepare because you leave your family a gift. If you do not do this preparation, you leave them with such horrible problems. And like you say, yeah, no time to grieve. I mean, Bucky would never have wanted what happened to me to have happened to yeah. me. That was the last thing he would have wanted. And he didn't expect that it would happen. In a million years, he did not realize how unprepared, how much we did not communicate, how much we did not talk about any of these things. And so when you're dying, sick and dying, the last thing you want to think about is your account numbers, your passwords, your the binder with all the contact information. But if you don't have it and it's not written down, I mean, I didn't know where his safety deposit box was, much less where the key was. I didn't know where the binder with the uh, the will and the trust was. I had no idea where any of these things were even located. And what's interesting 
is that there are so many people out there. I mean, there's statistics. You Like 85% of people think it's a great idea to have a will and trust. Now, 27% of people um, who are in charge of executing that, out of those 27% of the people, only 11% know actually where it's located. Now, think about that. That is how much we avoid this discussion. 100%. I don't know if people are superstitious or just they just, I think they don't put in the time and energy, but I, I see it. It's one thing you mentioned people in my profession are being trained through it. I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years, working with second and third generation clients. I don't know how you train someone. I've I've just had it come up a lot of a lot of times over the years. And so part of my process is to be better and better at dealing with this, bringing it up up front, facilitating that conversation. And then if I get that call or we know it's going there to being better able to help them. And that's, that's been a real process. I'm at a much, much better place than I was years ago at that. But it, I would love it if someone came to this book and I encourage everyone to get this book. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, I guess, to Amazon or wherever you, you know, you can get it wherever books are, are sold, but it's just such an important discussion. And I do, you know, we're in the position of seeing it, you know, I've like a hundred clients, so I can see how families deal with this and who doesn't talk about it, who's already prepared their adult children. And in some cases I have adult children in their sixties that are taking care of their parents in their nineties, you know, or others, but, but I hear exactly what you're saying. Those spouses that kind of they're there, but they kind of tune out during the conversation. They don't really care. It's not really their thing. The one spouse handled it and the other didn't, and that's just their lane. And they figure, well, I'll, you know, it'll, it'll all be okay. But I, I really go out of my way to include both. It's still their wishes. And this gives me additional, um, some additional material. We can reference this in the future. I'll share it with clients. We do let them know. And, and just for the general public, the, the podcast is heard on 103, 103 countries. There's people listening to this thing. So this is an amazing message. And um, you're doing a great service. I, I'll probably go have a conversation with my own wife and talk to her a little bit more and, and my kids after this. I mean, I've I've tried to lead by example, but for some, some people find that tough. They find that tough to do. But you got to well, realize you're going to pass the torch at some day and it could be any day. We all we all know that. Um, well, we, we yeah. all we all come with an expiration date, right? And we did, we don't get to decide what that date is. No, nope. we don't get to decide the day we're born. And unless you choose to take your own life, you don't get to decide the day you leave this earth. And you also, if you're a couple, you don't get to decide who goes first. And in my case, no. I was so, when I think back on it, I wonder, was it ignorance or was it arrogance? Because I believed in my heart of hearts. In fact, it never dawned on me that I could possibly be wrong. But I believed I would definitely die before Bucky and that he would handle everything. And as it turned out, I've had to handle everything. And I will tell you, no one wants to talk about dying or death. I don't. I was terrified of dying, terrified of dying. Bucky was terrified of dying. I, I don't know anybody that's like, oh, I welcome the day it happens. No, I mean, that doesn't that doesn't uh, click. Right. But what has transpired for me? is that I made it my mission. As much as I've taken life head on, I decided after Bucky died, I'm going to take death 
head on. I'm going to plan for it. I'm going to make sure my kids don't have issues after I'm gone. I'm going to learn everything I need to know about this and have everything in order. And oh my gosh, it has taken away a lot of that fear of dying. And I think it's like any other fear. If you face it, if you right. deal with it, it goes away. A lot of that fear goes away because now I feel so much peace in having prepared myself and and not being unsure of, I, I mean, honestly, before I didn't even know what I should be doing. Now I know what I should be doing and I've done it. And I've, I've one of the things that I learned in writing this book, and I think it's really important for all of those people out there, all of your clients who say, well, I don't need this. I've got all my affairs in order. And I've heard that from a lot of people. And guess what? They read the book and they go, oh, well, but I didn't think of that. I, I would like to, if we have time, talk a little bit about an intention letter, because that's one of yeah. the things one of the experts talked to me about that's been so important to so many people. It's It's not a legal document, but it is a letter that you can leave behind that will make sure that there are no disagreements within a family. And I'll give you an example, because I live in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. A lot of families in Minnesota have cabins up north. It's kind of a thing they do here in Minnesota. Everybody goes up north on the weekends, spends time yeah. at their lake cabin. And we are the land of 10,000 lakes, right? Yeah. But let's say um, you have a cabin, a family cabin. It's been in the family for years and years and years. And dad dies. And John, the son, and Mary, the daughter, get into an argument about what to do with that cabin. It's been left to them. John wants to sell it and Mary wants to keep it. And they both feel very sure about how dad would want that to be handled. John feels like dad would want him to sell it. And Mary feels like dad would want her to keep it. And so now they don't speak and they're in a battle about that cabin. But if dad writes in his intention letter, if there is a disagreement about the cabin or about anything, really, your intention letter can include everything. If there is a disagreement, here's how I would like you to settle it. So I have a friend who, in fact, does have a cabin up north and two boys. And he read the book and decided in his intention letter to let them know here's what he wants. If, John, you want to sell it and, Bill, you want to keep it, then, then John, you can be bought out for X amount of money. And, Bill, you can keep it. But, John, you can't use it again. So now they know what dad wants and there's no argument. I have a girlfriend who has not spoken to her sister in 20 years because her sister took a bracelet that she is quite sure her mother would have wanted her to have. But her mother never said. They don't know what her mother actually wanted, and they both feel differently about what mom would have wanted. If you write down what you want, there can be no argument. So there are all these issues that come up, especially in blended families with stepchildren and stepmothers. And if one of the chapters in my book is called Dad Never Told Us. And if dad does not explain what he's doing and why he's doing it, the, the stepchildren can blame the stepmother for what he decided because they don't know for sure. But if he explains to them and he talks to them and he sits the family down and says, here's what I'm doing and here's why I'm doing it. If I'm leaving one child more money than the other child, here's the reason why. This is why I made that decision. 
it takes all of the family issues and problems and fights and in some cases lawsuits away. You cannot imagine how many families end up in court fighting over what I call grandma's pie plate. It's really sad. Yeah, we've we've seen it. Um, I've been sort of blessed to deal with more functional families where it's, you know, they just agreed. But boy, I've seen some, including one that was extreme set up by an attorney. He had an only child and uh, he he wrote a a will or a trust and he left, uh, I think it was half of it to to charities to be named on Schedule A. Schedule A was a blank piece of paper. So it was complete ambiguity. The son was left with dad. We never had any problem. Why, why in the heck did you just, and the guy was not charitably inclined at all. It was sort of like, I'm just screwing my son out of because I don't think he merits it. Or, But no explanation. You can never go back to dad and ask him why. And it turned into a big legal matter because there was no explanation. The uh, state, the uh, attorney general from California that's supposed to represent um, or is charged with representing charities and things like that, they stepped up and tried to uh, gain half the money. They, they ended up losing in court because there was nowhere specified, uh, but it was really expensive. And then you're left with this dad, why there's no, so what if the home did go to one kid versus the other? And at least dad had a chance to explain that. And I can tell you the last thing any parent wants, or, you know, is, is somebody going, why did they, why did they come to that? That makes no sense that that didn't feel like him at all, or I don't get what he was thinking. That creates this anger, this resentment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I've seen a lot of these kind of cases. So to, to go through the process and, you know, I guess I'll summarize to, to get your own act together, you know, internally to be ready for, for your passing is really helpful for you, but you know, to the next generation or your spouse, that's a gift. You know, if you leave everything in a big mess, it's not, that's a crappy place to leave your, the people you care about. So. <laughs> well, I, I would say it's beyond crappy. <laughs> beyond um, crappy. I, I can't, there's certain words I'm not supposed to say on this podcast. Yeah. It's pretty messed up. And I've seen some spouses do it where and I've seen some, some of the surviving spouses kind of be kind of the, and I'm like, thinking, man, I, you know, love to give him a hug, but I'd really like to just punch him right in the nose for <laughs> what in the heck were you thinking or not thinking? Cause this is a, a stinking mess and someone who cares gets their act together. So that's really what we're talking about. And it does prepare. When I wrote the book, I, I thought at the end of it, when I finally finished it, I thought, gosh, if I sell one book, I'm going to die happy. At least I put this information down and maybe it will help yeah. somebody else. And and the book has done very well and kind of in spite of me not knowing what I was doing. And I think part of it is because the baby boomers have realized we're going to die at some point. And I think COVID also was a wake up call for a lot of Big us. Time. It made us realize that, you know, whether we're 35 or 85, this virus could kill us and we didn't know if it was going to be us. And so we started to think about our own mortality. But the most gratifying thing happened to me actually yesterday. A friend of mine called me and said, Pat, my my husband was wondering, would you come over and talk to him? He just got a stage four pancreatic cancer diagnosis. 
And I, I went over to their house and I was on the way going there going, oh gosh, I, I don't give advice. You know, I mean, I can tell them what happened to me, but this is, but he wanted to tell me, and it was the most amazing thing. He said, you know, Pat, I read your book. And he said, I think every single person should have to read this book because two weeks ago, I didn't know I was dying. And now I do. And now I'm going to prepare myself. But I should have prepared myself two years ago because mm -hmm. we don't know when that expiration date is up, right? We don't know. Right. So why not plan for it? You know, why not make it a priority? Like we make everything else a priority. And I guess if there's any message I have, it's that. Plan for this as, as if it is one of the most important days in your life, because it actually is. Yeah, that's that's giant. So so at least he did read it and he's taking action on it. You were there. I mean, you you were right in those shoes. You understand with that same diagnosis is. But, uh, you know, ideally, you probably wouldn't want to spend your last six weeks doing this work. You you would have want to had or maybe a little fine tuning if there's something that's changed you know, just to get it. Yeah. But I don't think it's hard work. I think it's actually very yeah. simple stuff. It really is simple. You it's know, sort of it's, freeing. Yeah, it's a gift to your family. Really? It's a huge thing. Uh, you know, and I look at these, there are people who really have it together. My own grandmother, she kind of had it pretty together and passed on. And my my mom predeceased her. So that was a really nice gift. She just took care of things. You know, it was like her home. Everything was, she just, she got it. And um, it was a, it was a giant gift, but these folks who don't, wow. You know, I see, you know, there might be someone, for example, not pointing at it who, you know, they're more, they're more concerned as this uh, allocation of the portfolio, is that going to outperform this or that than, um, than something that is not going to matter at the end of the day. What is going to matter is this type of stuff. We, we focus a lot on what we call form, family, occupation, recreation, we get to know all that about our clients. And then then finally, the M, the money that makes it all. But, but these are really where we can drive enormous value. And it's really sad if someone someone's expiration date, as they, you call it, comes up and these things aren't together. That's a real, real tragedy. I mean, they were some, there'll be some resolution to it, but it sure as heck might not be what you, what you wanted. And to put put us a, a spouse through the process while they're supposed to be grieving of also feeling anger over this. That's, um, that's no bueno, I'll call it, but, um, please carry, carry on. I know we're getting a little long on, but this is, this is the heart of what we're trying to get at to, you know, and these kind of conversations are really where we're trying to elevate all the experience to, to making that kind of a difference. And I do I have several folks right now that have called me, they've either lost a spouse, someone's in a state of cognitive decline, someone's got a diagnosis, The fa you know, we deal with these issues a lot. They just come up a lot. And it's it's really satisfying to work on it. There, there's some people who don't want to bring it up, but I love this generation that can just bring it up. That's come, some of the World War II folks, I met a woman... I was at a funeral service for a, a celebration of life for a woman who had just passed recently left a husband with it. He's an animal trainer. Like he literally sticks his hands into 
lion's mouths. He told me he's scared to death of what I do. It cracked me up. But the woman had been the really the one who handled all the finances. And um, it, it was just that was just this past weekend. So, you know, he took care. I got them in touch with an attorney, that kind of stuff. But um, they're such amazing. I forget where I was even going to go with that. But it comes up a lot. So, Pat, please continue on. And if you have any good salient points, please, I implore folks to read the book, get the book, share the book. This will be out as a resource. It'll go to all my clients, to our community. You know, I'm, I'm finding with a lot of times we can reference these in the future. So let, let's say it's six months from now and something comes up with the client. I can say you really need to go listen to this podcast with Pat and hear her story and get her book. But I didn't mean to take over the mic there. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. I, you say. know, yeah. I, I think if there's one, you know, one thing I can leave you with that that's very simple. Um, and everyone, everyone who's listening, ask yourself right now, and this is not just for the husband, but also for the wife, because a lot of wives, if, and I have a lot of friends whose wives have died and they didn't know, the husband had no idea who to call for this or who to call for that. It might not have been a financial problem, but it could have been a house problem. So ask yourself very simply, who knows what you know? And if no one else knows what you know, you are going to leave the person behind with a lot of problems. I mean, I can remember going to try and get a title for one of Bucky's cars because I needed to, he, he was a car guy, you know, he had four cars and I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't know if they were leased, if he owned, I didn't know any of that stuff. And I remember going into the DMV and I wanted to get a title for the car in my name so I could sell this car. And the woman at the desk said, well, are, is the estate in probate? Now, I consider myself fairly intelligent. And I'm like, I have no idea. I have no idea. Am I in probate? I have no idea if I'm in probate. And to simply pick up the phone, call the estate attorney, and have a 15-minute discussion about whether I'm in probate and if I can sell this car... It was a $2,000 phone call, you know, the research. I mean, I spent thousands and thousands, wasted, I should say, wasted yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars trying to get information that I should have had, that I should have known, that should have been written down, that should have been accessible. But instead, I spent thousands of dollars with attorneys who were doing, who basically, uh, you know, estate attorneys are in the business to make money, right? Yeah. If, if they do research, if they get an, an, a window to do research on something, they're going to do it. You know, I mean, I should have known where the titles to the car were, right? But I didn't. Right. I didn't know what I could do with the titles to the car. So these are simple things. They're really, really simple things. If we just take the time to communicate, if we just take the time to put it down on paper somewhere in a binder, make a binder with all your account numbers, with all your contacts, uh, with all your passcodes, with all your passwords. I mean, I had a girlfriend who read the book the other day and she called me and she said, so I said to my husband, Bob, security question, do you know what street I grew up on? And Bob said, yes, of course I do. You grew up on Johnson Street. She said, wrong answer. I grew up 
on Johnson Avenue. Mm. He did not know the avenue. And if he had tried to answer mm. the security question, it wouldn't have worked. One of the women in my book, she went into her after her husband died and she had no information. She went in to try and get information. And the security question was, who is your best friend? And she said, Pat, I knew who his best friend was. But when I put the answer in, it was the wrong answer. So make sure you put down the information. And maybe you don't, maybe you're a secretive person. I mean, Bucky was a secretive guy. He was an attorney, right? So put it in a safety deposit box. But just make sure somebody knows where that safety deposit box is and where that key is in case you do not come home tonight. Wow. I, I do, This is a tough question. You almost partially answered it, but it is... Uh... Why do you think Bucky didn't? Was it because he was secretive? He just didn't. He didn't think it would happen to him. Or do you have any thoughts? Because why yeah, is someone, I, was I, he I lazy think, about it? <laughs> what is it? No, yeah. no, I don't think he was. He first of all, he didn't consider that he was going to die. Yeah, I mean, we all sort of esoterically think we're going to die, right? <laughs> we know that that's going to happen at some point in our lives, but we don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. You know, even when Bucky got a terminal diagnosis, yeah, we got up every day thinking the sun was going to rise and he was going to wake up. We didn't know that there was going to actually be a day when he didn't wake up because you just don't think that way. The human mind doesn't think that way, which is why I say plan for this before you get there. <laughs> right. And and he got one of these, diagno you know, some people might have a longer diagnosis. That's one that, you know. Right. You've got like six weeks or whatever it is, you know, it it's quick or, or he could just go in a car accident. It comes up. I, I completely get I'm a tennis player. OK, we you know, we have a long legacy in our firm and I went to UCLA. So would you say Arthur Ashe, you know, that means something in the U.S. I'm an avid tennis player. So that just um, wow, that is really, really, really impactful. I, I feel like we could go on and on, but. I think the message is clear. The book is out with the um, really the directions. This is such a resource and this is such a powerful message, you know, and I'm, I'm a huge sort of fan of Murphy's law, I think in a way, I don't know what your thoughts are, but you know, if you take care of it, then I think it's sort of like in a cosmic way, a little bit of insurance that you're less likely to have something negative happen. than if you don't, <laughs> you're sort of flirting with, um, the universe a little bit going, I haven't prepared squat, you know, it, it might just find its way to you. I don't, I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but that's something that just comes across my mind. I found it. I found the preparing for this to be extremely freeing. It lifted such a weight off of me. Um, right. And it, it, it's like I said to you before, I think in, anytime you face a fear, you take a lot of the fear away and I think just realizing that we all do have an expiration date. We don't know when it is. Well, you know, let's hope it's 104 and you die in bed yeah. next to the person you love, right? Let's hope that. Probably not going to happen, but let's hope it. But but if it doesn't, let's plan for it in case it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reading this book right now. It's fantastic by this guy, Mark Hyman. I don't know if you know who Dr. Mark Hyman is, but he's incredible. It's called Young Forever, and he's he's 63, but I guess he's, he's uh, you know how they can do these 
genetic age tests where he's 43 years old and he's an amazing guy, but he's, he describes it, you know, he says he wants to be a hundred and something, but he wants to go out, you know, surfing and climbing and playing golf and making love to his wife and have an incredible meal and then just go to sleep one, you know, not wake up. But you could tell he's, he's prepared and ready for it mentally. I, I do think it's incredibly freeing. And I, I did something earlier this week that I had been putting off just for the longest time. I won't get into the details, but once I finally did commit and got it done, it, it was just so freeing. And this is a giant thing to get you ready for that process that's inevitably coming and, and to assist your spouse. And it's, it's just a giant gift. So I would love to hear back from someone after this, who hears this tells me they, they actually took some action. There's a few actions I'm going to actually take on this front too. So you've inspired me. Um, you got to take some action and it's freeing and it's healthy. I, I know exactly what you're saying. It sort of gives back to you in a way. So um as we close out, I would just thank you so much for being here. I would love to delve down this topic further. Any other sort of big salient points or messages? I mean, you've you made the big one, but if you have any other anything else you'd like to impart upon us, that'd be great. But otherwise, um, for our thirtieth episode, this has been this has been awfully good. Oh, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad, and, and I do. You know, the the whole point of writing the book was to help other people avoid the pitfalls and the rabbit holes that I went down and other people went down. It's, it's not, you know, one of the things I, I realized after Bucky died is I was online looking for books, looking for something to help me. And there were a lot of books written by widows and widowers about their singular experience with grief, but there was no sort of how to be a widow for dummies. There was no real practical advice about how to avoid all this stuff that I was dealing with. Um, because as I said, we don't, we don't want to talk about it. So I got, I thought, man, I can't be the only one out there who this happened to. And so I just started calling people. I started calling uh, people who would tell me to call people who would tell me to call uh, this person or that person. And I must've talked to two, 300 people. And I laugh about it because it was during COVID, right? And I say, people talk to me because everybody was home. Nobody was going out. Yeah. Yeah. They had nothing better to do but talk about to talk to me on the telephone. So I talked to just a, a huge number of people. And I realized that I wasn't alone in this. I mean, we are all out there just flapping in the water yeah. because because we didn't prepare. We didn't communicate. We didn't deal. We didn't face our expiration date. And so if there's any gift at all, it's uh, that that you will realize that this is an it's just as important as planning for a wedding, planning for the birth of a baby, uh, planning for going to school. It's just as important as all of those important events. Oh, that is that is so great. Let me just repeat back and we'll put in the show notes, but the book is called Before All is Said and Done. I'm sure you can get it wherever books are sold on Amazon. They'll probably have it to you the next day. It's on and, Amazon. Okay. And probably and Barnes you and know, Noble. Barnes and Noble. Okay. Anywhere else. And, and then, I, I think you know, so, but you know, I, like I say, I'm new to this business. So this publishing business, is, it's a, that's a whole nother story there. Yeah. Well, I've been a financial advisor for 25 years. I'm, I'm guessing if you spend about 1795 on the book or whatever it is with free delivery, 
that's better than 15 minutes or an hour of a, of an attorney's time or being in probate. It's, oh, it's going to be, <laughs> I would almost guarantee you this book is going to make you, make you aware yeah. of things you're not aware of. And it's going to, in the end, save you some, probably and, some good money. And with all due respect, the, the good attorneys want these dish, They don't want to deal with a simple probate and that kind of thing to make money. They'd rather deal with it proactively and, and other professionals, but sometimes it doesn't you know, the, something happens and the plans aren't made. So we get that and it has to go through that process. But I think this is terrific. I, I had a woman who's engaged me and is going to come in in about two weeks who had lost her spouse. Same thing. She's great. She's really, it's really hitting hard. Uh, she's finding out the, uh, her spouse who had just passed away had not put the home back into a trust. There's, it was from a second marriage there's going to have to be a probate. She was sort of conciliatory. Well, you know, and she just got an insurance settlement. Well, this will help pay. And I'm like, I didn't want to knock things, but that's, you know, there's probably 30, 35 grand. That's just wasted. That could have been so easily avoided. So um, it's after the fact, I'm going to share the book with her, but um, there's got to be other stories. There's a lot of stories like that. So really appreciate you being on. This has been a giant value add. Uh, let us know what you what you think, folks. Um, so appreciative of this. And um, it was great, Pat. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I just want to get the word out. So thanks a lot. I'll do everything I can to share that word and to reference back to that. And, so thank you so much. Let's let's stay in touch. Really, really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Millionaire Next Door podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors or Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, the content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.